For the Sundays after Easter, Colleen and I will be preaching on the letter of 1 John. Part of the reason I wanted to do this is because I find John's writings to be a challenge and my Sundays are dwindling down to a precious few and I might as well face this bullet now uh, rather than never. Um, it's my name too, yeah. No, it has nothing to do with my name. Well, I find, you know, so I find, I find John difficult and, and, you know, you find John difficult. <laughs> It dawned on me as I listened to Chris and Charlene read, read that passage, one of the problems I have with John is it seems so redundant. He keeps using the same words over and over again, and I start to kind of drift off. And I realize John has a very specific style of writing. It's, it's, it's conditional stuff. It's if A, then B, if B, then C, if C, then D. And, and so you get these words repeated over and over again. You know, you get a lot of A's, then you get a lot of B's, and so on. You get here sin a lot in this passage, uh, lying a lot in this passage. And when you hear sin and lying a lot, you, you kind of get turned off. And I, maybe your reaction to this passage was to be turned off by it. So we'll plunge ahead with that enlightening opening. Um, we're a week after Easter. How do people live in light of the resurrection? How does one who has experienced the resurrection of the living Lord Jesus live? Well, John talks about one lives in fellowship. He mentions fellowship four times in these opening 12 verses. Acts also talks about fellowship and community. The group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. They held everything in common. There was no needy person among them. They sold their property and gave the proceeds to the apostles for distribution. They walked the walk and they talked the talk. What both of these descriptions of community and fellowship describe is that the believers are brought together in a community. That's what the resurrection has done. It's brought them together in a community. They are committed, they're caring, they see each other, they hear each other. Now that sentence about coming together in a community may not be striking, but it is compared to the trend of today. For the trend of today is not to come together in community, it's to be driven apart. Now, Gwen talked about the pull that magnets have, how magnets attract and how they repel. Now, if you remember your first, your chemistry class in high school, it was about centripetal forces that pull together and centrifugal forces that pull apart. Our society is experiencing centrifugal forces that pull apart. The fastest growing religious, uh, religious group in our society is unaffiliated. The fastest growing political group in our society is unaffiliated. The distrust of government and church 
and neighbor is at an all-time high. Less than 25% of us trust our government. Less than 32% of us trust our neighbors. With all this moving apart, with all this individualism and distrust, that individuals come together to form a community is striking. And you have to ask yourself, what happened to reverse the trend from this to this? Well, John and Luke say it's the resurrection. Now, I want to make a distinction between community and tribalism. Because I think what we're experiencing in our society is tribalism, not community. Community is connection based on mutual affection. Tribalism is, is connection based on mutual hatred. Community is based on common humanity. Tribalism is based on common enemy. Tribalism is always erecting boundaries to keep people out of the tribe. Community is always expanding boundaries to bring more into the community. So it's noteworthy that these separate individual believers came together in community. What pulled them together, as Gwen says, is love. The love that burst out of the tomb drew them together. You know, Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. That's what's happening. The fellowship starts with a fellowship of the love of God and the love of people for God and Jesus. That's the initial drawing together. And then those people are drawn together in a fellowship of love for each other. Now the primary task, according to John, of community and fellowship is the cultivation of love. John believes that we were created to be loving beings. You know, it's I... I love, therefore I am. The goal of the human life is to be a loving life. And so the task of this fellowship is cultivation of love. It's to shape people in love, to grow them in love, to form them in love, to develop them in love. Now for John, this Mutual affection, this love and fellowship, is not abstract, it's not theoretical. It's real and it's tangible. He begins this letter with, we declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have, what we have looked at and what we have touched with our hands. Love is tangible. It's incarnated. Do you believe in the love of God? Do you believe in the love of God? 
John's response is, believe in it. I've seen it. I've touched it. I've felt it. I've heard it. It's not just, you know, God that he loves. It's that he's seen it in Jesus. <laughs> Do you believe in the love of the church? Believe in it. I've seen it. I mean, we saw it last Sunday at 11 o'clock, didn't we? You know, when we saw people run to Gary's assistance and care for him and pray for him and pray for his family. We saw the love of God. Love is practical. It's something that is done. But it's done with heart and soul, as Luke says. You know, we all know how to do a GPS on our phone. And we've got it on our cars. You know, you, you punch in where you are. Well, you don't even have to punch in where you are. It knows where you are. You punch in where you want to go. And you see the route pop up from where you are to where you want to go. But, you know, it, it doesn't work until you actually start to drive from where you are to where you want to go. You start to actually take the route, start to actually get involved in the traffic, start to actually get involved in the weather and so on. The GPS is not the same as actually driving there. And love that is actually just on paper is not the same as actually doing it. For, love, for John, love is relational. Love is a relationship. It's a bonding. We cannot love impersonally, and we cannot love abstractly. We have to be involved loving particular people in a particular place in a particular time. If I'm going to be loving, it isn't just an idea. I love Colleen. I love Chris. I love Andrew. I love Susan. Now, this fellowship of love that cultivates love, do we always love? Are we always in this fellowship of love? No. We, we know that. I hope you're thinking right now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That isn't, that isn't how I always experience the church. And that's the problem, isn't it? John talks eight times about sin here. And, and sin is breaking that bond of love. It's breaking that fellowship of love. It's, it's saying things that hurt people. It's doing things that hurt people. It's being hurt. And it's hearing those words. For John, sin breaks a relationship. Now he goes on to say, 
When that relationship is broken by our words, by our gossip, by our thoughtlessness, there are three things that could be done. The first thing that could be done is to deceive ourselves. You know, I can genuinely believe that I don't lose my temper. I can genuinely believe that I don't say hurtful things to people. I think they're funny. One way where I'm always deceiving myself is I really think I'm generous with NEMAP. I think I'm always giving food. I think I'm always giving money. But when I look at what I actually do, I'm deceiving myself. Sometimes when people say, I'm not a racist, I'm not a sexist, they actually believe they're not. and They might be deceiving themselves. I can deceive myself by rationalizing things. I can, um, I can think I love my neighbor because I make bologna sandwiches. I think I love people in the church because I, I go to Bible study and I know the Bible and I'm in a prayer group. But we know what Paul says about that. If I speak in human tongues and the tongues of angels but have not love, I can give away all that I have, but if I have not love, it's possible to be giving and nasty. So the first response to a, a broken relationship is to deceive myself and just deny that that's the situation. The next response is just to lie. I don't lose my temper. I didn't say that. I didn't do that. It's just a lie. Now it seems to me that as we watch the news, we are experiencing a lot of deception and a lot of lying. The break is acknowledged but people respond to it with deception and lies. John's third option is confession and forgiveness. Confession. I'm sorry I said that. It's a confession. I forgive you. That's forgiveness. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't help you. That's a confession. I forgive you. 
with deception and lying, the break is still there. And it's not going to be resolved. With confession and forgiveness, the break is there. But it's being repaired. Martin Luther King says that to deny the power of forgiveness is to deny the power of love. And I'd go one more step and say, to deny the power of confession is to deny the power of love. For deception and lying do prevent love, do obstruct love. It's hard to love when we're in denial when we're lying. But confession and forgiveness free us. We're free. I have to say the politicians that we hear scrambling so, see scrambling so hard, don't you think they'd feel free with confession and forgiveness? 12-step programs are based on confession and forgiveness and the freedom that results from that. All this talk of, of, of sin in, in this letter of John. John is not making accusations He's not condemning anybody. He just says, this is the diagnosis. We sin. We stay stupid stuff. We screw up. How do you repair the break? Yeah. It's like saying, I've, I've got this pain in my chest. I can deny it and pretend it's not there. I can lie about it. Or I can get it fixed. You know, in the end, all this talk about sin and forgiveness is saying, God's given you a way to be loving. God's given you a way out. God's giving you a way to, to repair the breach. Take advantage of it. We were created to be loving. We were created to be alive in love. And what John is saying is, we're going to fail a lot at that. But God's always there to forgive us so that we can work on becoming fully loving in community. This is hard work. 
It's hard work to confess. It's slow work. Sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back. Sometimes we embarrass ourselves. Sometimes we embarrass each other. But we do it because God has given this gift of love so that we can be who we were meant to be. You know, confession and forgiveness is really how we act out the crucifixion and resurrection. For confession is something like dying to our sins. And forgiveness is like rising to new life. It's resetting the GPS. I ended last Sunday's sermon with, Christ is risen, make the most of it. Well, this Sunday's sermon is, God forgives us, make the most of it. Be fully loving. May it be so. Amen.